Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 28th of June, 2022. It's a Tuesday. I am Derek Hunter. I am your host. And uh, shout out to Michelle. for Apparently yesterday I said it was 2021. I know the last 24 hours has seemed like an eternity, but for the love of God, no. Yeah, Michelle caught it. I get emails. You guys catch it all. I do it all the time. I don't even do it. I should do it on purpose. But you know what? If I set out to do it on purpose, even if I left myself like a note on my computer screen, say 1972, um, I'd forget to do it. It just comes out of my mouth. I don't know. So I suppose this is what happens when you live with your head up your rear end. Anyway, happy Tuesday to you. I hope you're having a good one. I hope I'm having a good one by the time you hear this. Anyway, appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend, and all that good stuff. The show only exists and grows because of uh, you, so I appreciate that. Um, don't forget about the uh, book contest. The book contest It's between Mike Lee and Mike Huckabee, the Battle of the Mikes, the Mike Drop. Uh, yeah, Mike Lee and Mike Huckabee signed books. You get to choose which one. It's I think Mike Lee has a slight edge as far as what people want at this point as far as the entries go. But all you got to do is go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast. Enter there or at DerekHunter.locals.com. Enter there and um, all you do is comment in the comment on the post with the uh, pictures and say, I want th- this mic. And um, then we'll seek you therapy. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, appreciate the support very, very much. Can't tell you how much. Anyway, uh, thanks to all the emails, by the way, about my dad. And um, I haven't, I don't, I haven't even really read most of them. I see the subject line and the uh, the opening line. It's just I'm still not even ready to read them. And it's just one of those things. And he's doing, he's doing well. He's doing fine. And that's the most annoying thing is he could be, should be fighting this thing. But we got other, like, shitty news in the family. My brother-in-law's cancer has returned. So he's going back into chemo. And my sister has breast cancer. They caught very early. She's going to get, I don't know what they're going to get. They're going to figure that out in the next couple of weeks. So fuck cancer. And uh, donate to a cancer cause, if, cancer charity, if you can. We got to fight and kill this damn thing. Uh, that that re- renal cancer, or rectal cancer, whatever it was, that uh, rectal cancer. I think that they were doing a test of this new drug, and only on a, like a dozen and a half people or something, and it came back. They all had no detectable cancer after that. Like, holy crap! I hope they're busting ass. On that, and I hope it has applications to all forms of cancer because it is a special form of evil. So, appreciate the kind words, even though I haven't read them. It's not personal. If I haven't, if you sent me a really nice note and I haven't responded, it's because I just I can't, I can't, I can't read them right now. But it's not personal. I appreciate it. It's just part of me. So. There you go. And thanks to everybody who have signed up and donated and everything and. Uh, I will be availing myself of those funds to go and visit my father as much as humanly possible. And then my sister, it's my oldest sister, and uh, thank God they caught it early. She said she's uh, extols the virtues of annual mammograms. 
make sure you ladies out there you don't miss your annual mammogram or men don't miss your annual uh, prostate exam or whatever the hell you got to do the best defense is a good offense so i appreciate and thank you sincerely for for the prayers the thoughts the the donations the support and everything so thank you all right now enough about that don't want to get too sappy because i've got a lot of things to make fun of and so we should get on with the show we've got an action-packed program for you there is a lot as you imagine as you might imagine after the uh, the decision that came down on friday in the supreme court there have been some some thoughts by some people on some television uh, about the death of Roe v. Wade, the abortion of Roe v. Wade. Oh, that's so mean. How can you? I can say it because I don't care if I upset these people. These people are so wild. I've never seen a group of people going, "Oh my God, I won't be able to have an abortion." You're you're seventy years old. You're unattractive. There's like every factor. I've never seen one pro-abortion protester going and go, yeah, you know what? I can see how that'd be an issue in her life. Especially, honest to God, going to a CVS, Walgreens, does Rite Aid even exist anymore? I, I don't, I feel like it does, but I don't know that, I don't think I've seen one in forever. A Walgreens, a Dwayne Reed, wherever you live, whatever your local version of a drugstore is, and you will find... At a minimum, an end cap, but uh, usually a decent chunk of an aisle designed explicitly to stop babies from being created. But really, it's that's all it exists for. There's no, there's, there's some medical reason. I love, there is some medical reasons to uh, take birth control for whatever reason. And you know, I'm not a woman, but I've been told that you take it because you uh, you have particularly uh, hurtful painful cramps or whatever it helps with that there are all sorts of other medical reasons i'm sure for taking that there's no medical reason for a condom it serves one purpose you don't need to like tuesday afternoon at uh, three o'clock you don't need to to wear one unless you're engaged in activities okay Uh, i'm not judging do it whatever you want, even if it's solo activities, I couldn't care less. But the idea that this is uh, the pregnancy is a scourge, we're dealing with a lot of dumb people. There's some smart people, I suppose, with a 99.98% success rate. There is a 0.02% failure rate in all of these things, the lotions, the the creams the whatever everything that's out there use your imagination or go to a drugstore and look it up for yourself there is a possibility of sneaking one past the goalie there just is it's very very rare when used properly there are more eclipses than there are you know births conceptions and so to sit there and listen to these people whine is the oh my god There's just no way for women to avoid being pregnant. There's no way for women to avoid getting pregnant. I mean, that ignores that entire section of the aisle, not to mention the entire concept of the specific activity you have to engage in to get pregnant. There just is. 
Sorry, to, I, I'm not turning this into a biology class, but uh, you can use your imagination. And if you don't have that much imagination, uh, boy, howdy, you're going to get one. Uh, you're going to get an education when the, you fully discover what's out there on the Internet. <laughs> I'm just saying. But honestly, they have this mindset. And then you think for a second, and I'm just thinking of this now, <clears throat> so bear with me as I sort of make it up as I go along, but... The progressive movement in the beginning of the 20th century was very much into eugenics. Eugenics was the idea that these liberal elite, usually North, Northeasterners, believed that people, most people, were just grossly inferior to them. And the world would be better off without them. The world would be a much better place if those people didn't exist. And so they set about trying to make sure that those people didn't exist. They had forced sterilizations. They had all sorts of things that they they uh, created. Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger did, put it in. And, and by the way, undesirable people was stupid people. These are Democrats largely, although there were some Repub There are still some Republican progressives. But the Democrats took it to the, really, the Wilsonian Democrats took it to the, the nth degree. They wanted to get rid of stupid people, uh, people with jobs they simply didn't think were, uh, if, you, if you were a ditch digger back then, it didn't matter how smart you were. They didn't care. They didn't want to know how smart you were. You were a ditch digger. You had nothing to offer, not only them, but society in general. And you should probably not be reproducing. If you were an ethnic minority, you had nothing to offer. You were undesirable. Now, there were some, and this is sort of the disconnect. between. It was largely based on race and ethnicity. But there were some, like, for example, black progressives. They were also down with the eugenics thing of we need to get rid of undesirable people. Because progressives are progressives first and foremost. Anything else they are is a distant second. But they really wanted to stop the uh, creation, particularly of black people. Yeah, they wanted to stop the creation of people they called white trash, too. But it was particularly black people. They would get to everybody eventually, but their order of priority was getting rid of black people. See, these were former slave owners. These were Klan members. These were progressive Democrats. And so they placed their Planned Parenthood clinics in poor black neighborhoods. And then they set about telling people, look, if you get pregnant, don't have it. It's going to cost you a lot of money to have it. It's really, it's going to ruin your life to have a child. Don't have a child. Don't do it. We've got the solution for you. Some might say it's the final solution for you, but they were never that on the nose. They only, they were pre-Nazi anyway. They inspired the Nazis, which caused the progressives to sort of go underground because of their association with inspiring the Nazis. But they really wanted to ex not completely exterminate black people. They knew that would be impossible. So they wanted to limit the number of black people as best they could. They wanted to lower the number of black. They wanted to do everything they could to prevent as many black people as possible from coming into existence. That was the progressive movement back then. And it worked. If you look, as a percentage, the black population hasn't really increased all that much, I don't believe. 
It might have actually decreased as a percentage of the population of the United States of America. So Democrats got their way. They also get 90% of the black vote. So like win-win. You are committing a slow genocide because of your racism and you get 90% of the vote in the process. It's a hell of a bargain. It's a hell of a situation. You sit there and you go, is this real? And yes, sadly, it is all too real. But that's the world we live in. Smash cut to now, and you end up with a situation where you've between 50 and 60% of black pregnancies in New York State, for example, end up in abortion. It's not genocide. It is the ultimate in population control, however. And yet you're telling people they, they need this procedure when you could tell people how to avoid getting pregnant in the first place. But if you believe that people are just too damn stupid to understand these things, then you want this as the ultimate plan B, don't you? Especially if you want to make sure that there are fewer and fewer uh, minorities in this country. It's kind of funny because the left always says what? Oh, those Republicans, they really hate the browning of America. There isn't a single Republican that I'm aware of who says, no, no, no one, no, we need to get rid of brown people. We need to do it. No. Republicans are saying we cannot have illegal immigration, unfettered illegal immigration like we have down at the southern border. What we can have is legal immigration. Legal immigration. Guess which skin tone gets the most legal immigration? Well, it's the brown people in South and Central America. Republicans aren't calling for an end to that. So everything that you talk about a big lie, everything Democrats are pushing is a big lie. And what I think really is going on here, and one of those things, if you've ever known anybody who's done something horrible, not illegal horrible, not, my God, he's gone on a killing spree or anything like that, or robbed a bank, but... Somebody who's done something, I would say, bad, like cheating or what have you, uh, you justify it to, they justify it to themselves. And I've justified it to myself, as everybody kind of does, or a lot of people. It's common. It's not bad. It's not wrong. It's not this. It's not that. You find ways to justify those things. Why do you find ways to justify those things? If you you say, I don't care, I couldn't care less. Because you know you did something wrong. And even if you don't admit that you've done something wrong, knowing that you've done something wrong, it kicks around in your brain. It does kick around in your brain. And you find ways to justify it so it can be kicked to the corner of your brain. Now, if you've had abortions, or if you've paid for abortions, you can tell yourself, I think it's wonderful and I, I made the right decision or what have you. And you can look at these people who've taken to the streets and you would think, you know, where some woman was wearing like, I've had five abortion T-shirts and they're all like shouting their abortion. Oh, abortion, abortion, abortion. You look at them and you go, are you really proud of this? Are you really? Is it pride? In this? Abortion is nothing to be ashamed of. And you have to ask yourself the simple question, who are they making that argument for? I believe they are making that argument for themselves. There is no 
constituency for it. There's no argument. You're one way or another on the issue. You're not going to hear somebody who uses abortion as birth control make their argument about how wonderful it was and they go, all right, well, then there you go. I'm glad you're able to fly to Europe every summer because you don't, you're not burdened by a kid. Congratulations. It's not going to change your mind per se. I suspect that those people who are out there screaming, shouting their abortions, wearing their t-shirts, so proud of what they've done, I suspect that just like cheaters, just like I was when I was a cheater, early in my dating career, is it, well, everybody does it. More people, they're all out there. If a friend is teetering, you suddenly become that little red devil on their shoulder, not the angel, the devil going, you know what? Just hall pass, out of town, out of sight, out of mind. Go ahead, do it. I've done it. It's no big deal. It doesn't bother me. I don't feel guilty about it. And, you know, they'll never know, and who cares? And you convince, you try to convince people to do things that you've done that you actually do recognize is pretty, pretty crappy, pretty crummy. But the more people you can get to do it, you say, well, see, everybody does it. It's more just, it, everybody does it. It's more justified. It's easier to justify to yourself, to yourself. Abortion, I suspect, is the same way. I've known I've known a couple of women who've had abortion. One in particular had uh, was haunted by it, haunted by it. Not everybody's haunted by it. I'm I, I'm not saying this applies to everybody. There are some people out there sociopaths who just go, "Beh, another day that ends in Y. Who cares?" But uh, this one girl in particular, she was absolutely haunted by it without question. She had, I don't know how long after it hit her or whatever, but uh, I knew her uh, probably seven, I think it was seven years after she'd had it. She told me, she's very forward about it or uh, upfront about it. Uh, she named the kid, had still had conversations with the kid, um, marked the birth, whatever, the uh, the due date as a birthday and really got messed up when that came around and, and really kind of not messed up completely like the birthday, but whenever the su subject came up, she didn't tell everybody. And I'm not going to give you who she is because it's nobody's business. But uh, she, um, when the subject came up at parties or conversations, bars or lunch or whatever, just, you know, random things come up. You could tell it was bothering her. You could tell it was always below the surface, and she did her best to hide it. I don't know who else knew. I assume she told some of her friend, other friends and everything, but you could tell it bothered her forever. Now, she, was, she made the decision. She made the decision herself. She had every rational argument you could have with herself. She still was having that argument with herself to try and justify it, but it, it haunted her. And I suspect that is more common than anybody who's taking to the streets would have you believe. And I suspect it's more common with a lot of the people who have taken to the streets, who are, quote unquote, shouting their abortion. I suspect that they have been through that. And they, part of them, they'll never admit to it, but part of them feels horrible about it. They recognize it, but they, they feel misery loves company. And if you, can, if you can make what they've done the normal thing, then they'll feel better about it. I don't know. Again, I'm not a woman. It's not impacted my life. But that strikes me as what we're seeing a lot of out there. 
some people are so vehemently in favor of abortion for reasons that I don't know that any human being could ever understand, for things that if abortion were a human being, abortion would take out a restraining order against these people. They are so obsessed with the concept. And you sit there and you have to go, why? What is going on? I think that's as good an explanation as anybody can come up with because I suspect these people really are trying to cover up for things that they that sort of haunt them. Putting aside, it's a percentage. There's a smaller percentage who truly are sociopaths who, who don't give a damn, who have no feelings about it whatsoever. And then there are some people who just make money off of it or whatever. But it's just, you're looking at these protests over the weekend and the discussions that these people have, and you think, how do these people justify, how do they live with themselves? How do they, why, why is this so important to them? That's really the question. Why is it so important to them? And that's the explanation I came up with. It's so important to them because they're trying to deal with what they've done, recognizing that what they've done was wrong. And the more people you get to do something that's wrong, the writer you can pretend it is to yourself. That's my two cents on the subject anyway. So while the left is in mourning and misery loves company and these miserable people are trying to create as much miserable company as humanly possible, they have been all over the television going absolutely crazy about, hmm, let's see, where do we start here? I don't want to start with Anna Navarro. She's just awful. God, she's awful. But uh, we'll get to Anna Navarro in a bit. Let's start with Essie Cup. I used to, I, I didn't really know Essie Cup all that much. I, my wife knows Essie Cup, or at least knew Essie Cup. I don't know that anybody actually knows Essie Cup. Now, I suspect that she has uh, distanced herself from anybody who is remotely conservative in an attempt to maintain her job at CNN. Oh, my God, are you accusing her of being a horrible... Yeah, no. Well, maybe. Uh, <laughs> make up your own mind. I don't care what you think of her. But she used to be, you know, this oh, conservative firebrand when she was trying to get a Fox contract. And then she was kind of snapped up. Fox wasn't interested. Here's a good pro tip for anybody out there who's, like, desperate to be a uh, a TV pundit. You're desperate to be a TV pundit. If you want to get one of those contracts with the, the networks. You do, you have to whore yourself out. You have to get into the occasional, well, the regular fights with your regularly assigned liberal or conservative every week or whatever, and you got to be able to say, oh, no, I'm really good friends with so-and-so, but, oh, man, what they said that day really got me. They don't, they know. None of it really gets them upset, but it makes good TV that somebody's screaming at somebody else. Um. But you also, if you want that contract, because anybody will go on TV, if you're desperate enough, to uh, scream at somebody and say, I'll, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll get on TV, it'll be awesome, I'll be on TV, TV, wonderful TV. But if every time they call you, you're like, oh, I'm where, where and when, where and it doesn't matter, where and when. If you sit there and you go, well, if somebody's a booty call, here's a, a perfect analogy I just thought of. If somebody's a booty call, they're not going to be your girlfriend or your boyfriend. Never. You're never going to make them your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Why? Because why would you? They're, they're your booty call. 
you're not going to, you don't take them seriously. You know, you don't have to put in any effort. You don't even have to bring over McDonald's, let alone take them out to a restaurant. You just, well, hey, what are you doing? Just thinking of swinging by. All right, come on over. There you go. Hey, maybe you want to go see a, no, I don't want to go see a movie. No, I'm, I'm, I, um, I probably don't want to be around you anymore. And you act all weird and don't tell your friends and don't tell anybody we're, we're hooking up. That's never going to translate into a relationship. It's just not. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, to break it to you. That's the same way with cable news. If every time that one network calls you, they're like, oh, yeah, hell yeah, I'll be there. They're not going to offer you a contract because why would they? But, and that was what Essie Cup was doing to Fox News every time. Every time they call her, I'll be there. I'll absolutely, I can't wait to be on there. I can't wait to be on there. And they said, well, why would we buy the cow when we get the milk for free? CNN needed to check a box. We need a Republican. Essie Cup's as good as any. She used to be moderately attractive. So, all right, there you go. I don't know. Maybe she's, I think she might be pregnant now. I'm unsure from this video. But it's the same thing. If you start appearing on all the networks, then maybe one of them, the one you really want to be on, the one where you probably fit the best, will start going, hey, wait a second. Now, if you call your booty call and they're like, oh, sorry, I'm busy. And you do that a few times. You're like, what the hell's going on with the booty call? I wasn't really trying to call you for a booty call. I was uh, calling to see if maybe you want to go to dinner and a movie or something. It's been a while since I saw you. Suddenly things can change. That's how you end up getting a contract. That's how she got a contract at CNN, is Fox rejected her and CNN needed to check a box. Many of these other people you see on Fox, you see on MSNBC, you notice they used to be on all the networks and then they got snapped up. That's just your little pro tip. If I don't recommend anybody become and sell their soul to cable news, but um, if you want to, there's one tip on how to do it. And one person who did it was Essie Cup. Now, she's recognized over the years that she's been at CNN, even hosted a show on CNN. They tried to make her a thing at CNN. They tried to make her host of Crossfire. She didn't have the chops for it. They tried to make her have a daily show that, uh, I think on headline news, that nobody thought, nobody watched it, nobody cared. It was like really embarrassing numbers. And then she, I think she does a, I think she does a weekend show, like one day a weekend. I don't know. But, um... She drags out because she's still their token conservative. Now, she wrote a piece for Oprah. <laughs> I, I know. I know. Because, you know, when you're a complete and total suck-up and sell-out, you, you write for Oprah. Why? Because it doesn't get much bigger than Oprah. If you're trying to ingratiate yourself and dear yourself to the left, you get Oprah on your team, you're doing pretty good. You're doing really good. So she wrote a piece for Oprah about how she's a pro-life conservative who is opposed to overturning Roe v. Wade. And it was wildly stupid and, and, and not worth going into it. If you just look at it, uh, my five-year-old could read it and go, this, this doesn't make any sense. This was written by somebody who's stupid and just trying to suck up to Oprah. But she also went on CNN and tried to uh, chum the waters for the left, throw the bones to the left. She doesn't under now she's not a republican at all but she says that she doesn't understand how after this supreme court decision how the republican party survives not just how the republican party goes on how the republican party survives which is uh, 
pretty bizarre. Now, she's talking to a group of five or six. It's, CNN always has these ridiculously oversized panels where um, it, it's just like, why do you need that many people to disagree? How insecure do you have to be about what you believe to require five other people there to nod in agreement with you? And who thinks that's compelling television? Whoever's doing the programming at CNN needs to be fired immediately. But SC Cup doesn't understand how it is that the Republican Party survives because of abortion. Now listen to her uh, attempted explanation for that. Now that anti-abortion activists got what they wanted, right, which is to overturn Roe versus Wade, what happens now politically, do you think? It's hard to imagine the Republican Party surviving this. Um, Between anti-abortion anti-LGBTQ, book banning, anti-democracy. I mean, add all the regressive bullshit, uh, garbage, sorry, to this. I don't take that back. Um, add it all together, and I don't know who's left in the future, in future generations to be drawn to this party. If you look back at 2016, I think people voted for Trump for a wide array of reasons. Some of them garbage, but some of them legitimately economic or even foreign policy. I think the people voting for more Trump, more MAGA now are really motivated by very few reasons. And so there are fewer of them. And when you imagine that, I think for the first time, maybe we should ask Jeff Tubin, a generation will be able to say my parents had a right that I don't have today. For the first time, a right was taken back. Um, I can't imagine how Republicans message to new voters and don't just keep shrinking and condensing. <laughs> I don't imagine. I can't figure out it. My goodness. How could they, how do they survive? How do they possibly survive? What can we possibly do? They Now, she's supposed to be a pro-life Republican herself, a pro-life conservative. I think she's one of those people who made a big stink about, I'm leaving the Republican Party because it no longer represents me. Uh, bye. But how does it survive? Now, the way it survives is Democrats are awful. I understand that SC Cup has a CNN contract. She's doing all right. She's not concerned about this. Um, but the idea that she's going to, uh, come in and save the world and recognize and, and save the Republican Party is asinine. But these SC cups of the world, they, they drive me nuts. Do, do you believe in anything? And the answer is maybe personally. But if you can put it aside for whatever purpose, political purposes, contract purposes, then you don't really believe in anything. There were um, Father Flager. Remember Father Flager? He was Barack Obama's Catholic friend. He's a progressive Catholic dude out in Chicago. He's a white dude, but he hates white people. He's, he was good friends with Jeremiah Wright. He's out there tweeting, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. We got a problem in this country that they're overturning Roe v. Wade. And it's like, dude, you are a Catholic priest. You are a Catholic priest. Okay? I... It, you sign up to to sort of not have it. Ah, uh, yeah, I believe in God professionally, but personally, you know, I'm not that much into God. It doesn't work. You can't do that. 
But these leftists, eh, that's kind of what they do. That's kind of who they are. It's how they live. And so Essie Cup is now a progressive leftist. She's, I don't know if she believes what she spews on CNN uh, or if she ever believed any of the conservatives she used to spew on CNN, the conservatism that she used to spew on CNN. I doubt either is true. There are just a class of people out there who simply want to be famous. They simply want attention. They simply want the money. And look, if you can do a a TV gig is about the easiest job you can get right next to uh, Publishers Clearinghouse Sweepstakes Jackpot winner. Those are the, probably the two easiest jobs on the face of the earth. Publishers Clearinghouse, probably a little bit easier because they'll uh, more than likely set up a direct deposit for you. You don't have to go. It's like we got to walk to. Used to have to walk to the mailbox to get the check. Now they'd probably set up a, a direct deposit for your five thousand dollars a week for life or whatever it is. Whereas cable news pundit, you'd probably have to go into a specific room of your house dedicated to be your studio, and uh, turn on a couple of things and put the mic on yourself and put your makeup on. You don't even have to go into the studio anymore to be a cable news pundit, or not as often. So it's slightly more difficult than Publishers Clearinghouse winner. But you don't have to have any principles. You just have to be. And I've uh, this is part of the reason why I don't do cable news anymore, as I've been too vocal about this. But I used to get booked, and they'd say, you know, you'd book them a week in advance. Like, well, what, you want to be on next Tuesday? Next Tuesday? It's Monday. How about, you mean tomorrow? No, no, next Tuesday. We're setting up for next Tuesday. Well, how the hell do you know what's going to be going on in the world? How do you know that I'm going to have an opinion on it? I know. I will, obviously. But, or that I'll care enough about it, or what will be going on. Like, you, how can you book a news program a week in advance? Oh, we just do it. And you say, all right, I'll do it. And then the day of, the morning of, they'll go, here's the topics. Send me a couple of lines about what you think about each. And if you don't have, like, I don't care about this issue. I've never been a couple of times where I'm like, this is, I, I don't, I don't have an opinion on this. This is not something for me. And you do that enough and they're like, well, that's not good. You're not, you're not willing to come on and throw spitballs against the, uh, the le- liberal sacrificial lamb you got up there. And like, well, it's, it's just not an important issue. It's stupid. And then they stop asking you, thankfully. And, but I wish it'd be better off if they stopped doing that. If they just decided to, Focus on the news. I can't even watch it. I know I've gone off on this before, but I can't even watch it anymore when you're sitting there watching one host interview another host. Who cares? Who cares? One host uh, talking to another host. That's not news. That's nowhere near news. It is mind-numbingly bad, stupid crap. It's, It's, I don't know, indoctrination. It's pathetic, whatever it is. Anyway, Essie Cup is a part of that machine. Essie Cup is a gleeful cog in that machine. Actually, looking at the audio clips we're going to get to, yeah, let's listen to Stacey Abrams right now, as a matter of fact. Stacey Abrams is the governor of Georgia running for re-election, but she's been denied her position as governor of Georgia because of her skin color. Um, God. She's she's the acceptable 
questioning the results of an election candidate for the left. It's just you can't question it when they win. When Republicans win, you have to question. It's your patriotic duty to question election results. She was on Fox News Sunday. I give her credit for going on Fox News Sunday, but listen to her. And this is what I mean by these people are mindless drones who just, they want abortion no matter, they can't justify, they can't explain it. There's no no limits whatsoever, none, nothing, under no circumstances. Nine months in, you go, all right, I want an abortion. I'm in labor, abort it. And Democrats go, all right, game on. Listen to her. Do you support any limitation on abortion or does it do you think that women should have the right to have an abortion all the way up to nine months? I believe an abortion is a medical decision. And I believe that that should be a choice made between a doctor and a woman and in consultation with her family. But I think the challenge that we have is that we keep putting this in a political space. This is a medical decision. And the medical choices that should be made should be governed by what is best for that woman and what is best at the suggestion of and advice of their doctor. It's all about a woman and her doctor. It's a choice between a woman and her doctor. That's what abortion should be. The government has no business being in between the relationship between a doctor and his patient, his or her patient. And you're like, okay, well, what if the doctor advises against an abortion? What if the doctor has a problem with abortion? Well, no, can't do that. Can't have that. See, you can just go to another doctor. You can go find, if you find that uh, you have to go to 10 doctors before you finally find one who says, oh, you know what? An abortion is what you need. Let me get my prescription pad out. Uh, then that's fine with the left, allegedly. And then they would go and try and uh, strip the licenses of all the other doctors who said, no, they didn't, didn't really think it is. Because if you are coming in at, uh, I don't know, 30 weeks, wanting to have an abortion, you change your mind, maybe you found out your significant other has been cheating on you, and you're like, well, the hell with that, I'm not having this kid. Um, a lot of doctors would have a problem with that. A lot of doctors would say, yeah, I didn't want to do that. And suddenly it becomes not about a doctor. They throw the doctor in there because they want to make it sound official. They want to make it sound good. They want to make it sound wonderful. Oh, it's, it's medical, you see. It's a discussion between a woman and her doctor. Well, unless there's something really, really wrong with the pregnancy to the point that it would threaten the life of the mother... There isn't a doctor. They're sitting there looking at the charts, and they go, you know, everything's going well with this pregnancy. Everything's good. You're right on track. It's uh, healthy so far. It's good. What I advise is that you have an abortion. That's not going to happen. That's not going to come out of a doctor. A Well, maybe like a Kermit Gosnell, but that's a rare exception, thankfully. It is a matter of the woman coming in and saying, I want this. I want this. The doctor can look at it and say, well, there's nothing physically wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with the pregnancy. There's nothing. There's no threat. You're doing just fine. Everything is on track. I don't think that this is the the right course of action. And the woman still gets her way because she can go to an abortion doctor. She can go to an abortion clinic where they're all, they make their money off of this. It's, uh, it's like going to the bread factory and looking for advice on the uh, Atkins diet. This is probably not going to be there. But if you go to the meat factory, the meat packing district, 
They can give you all the information you want. Well, if you go to an abortion clinic, what do you think they're going to advise? They're going to advise, just like you, the places are like, hey, uh, here's a coupon, a free brake inspection for your car. Come in, get your brakes inspected. Unless you literally just had your brakes replaced. And then even sometimes that, I guarantee you the person doing the brake inspection goes, you know what, you're probably going to want to replace these brakes pretty damn soon. It's... Uh, why? Because that's where they make their money. You go to the abortion clinic, they're going to advise an abort for an abortion. If you go to just your doctor in general, they don't offer the advice. They can, you can ask and say, hey, I need to get rid of this thing. Where can I go? And they can tell you, but they're not getting a consultation. They don't get a vote. They don't get a say. The father doesn't get a say. Why would the doctor get a say? But Democrats throw it in there to try and make it seem as though this is a, you know, it's a medical decision. It's like nobody can say whether or not uh, AOC should have her overbite fixed, uh, except it's a decision for her and her plastic surgeon. Well, the plastic surgeon is going to recommend that you, you know, get that taken care of. You don't need to be able to eat a sandwich through a fence. But is it medically necessary? Is it really a medical decision or is it more of a cosmetic decision? Is it more of a lifestyle decision? She she's decided to retire from the eating a sandwich through a fence profession and uh, wants to lead a quiet life now. Because when you go in the opposite direction, Democrats have a different attitude about the discussion between a woman and her doctor. Fox News reports from May 11th of just this year. A bill pushed by Democrats in the wake of a leaked Supreme Court decision would force Christian doctors to perform abortions even if they hold religious reasons, uh, religious reasons not to, religious freedom advocates warned. Several religious freedom experts warned the, about the effect of the Protecting Women's Health Act would have on Christian medical professionals who are against abortions should the bill pass the Senate and be signed into law. Charlotte Lozier, Institute Associate Scholar Richard M. Dofflinger, that's a mouthful, told Fox News Digital in a Tuesday statement that in, quote, theory, federal law protects the conscience rights of doctors and nurses with moral objections to abortions. But the Biden administration disbanded the division of the HHS Office of Civil Rights that had enforced those laws. The only remaining law does not depend on the administration's whims, uh, that does not depend on the administration's whims, is the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, RIFRA. Remember when that was a big issue a couple years ago? Because it allows the oppressed party to go to court to defend his or her own rights. And the Women's Health Protection Act would nullify that act as it applies to abortion. It's weird. Democrat, it's a decision between a woman and her doctor. But earlier this year, they were trying to take the part of the doctor out of it, at least in certain circumstances, when doctors had a moral obligation or moral objection to abortion. Weird, right? It's not all like sad it's pathetic how these people are but there's, there's something kind of funny here i want to play you this clip before we get to uh aoc and and navarro and everybody else but uh and elizabeth warren but i love i love that ned lamont is the governor of connecticut ned lamont 
came on, burst onto the national scene when he beat Joe Lieberman in um, it's either twenty twenty or twenty uh, two thousand two or two thousand and four. Joe Lieberman was part of the sore loserman, the Gore Lieberman campaign in two thousand, and uh, he he managed to anger the left because he supported the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq and they they were anti-war at the time because it was a republican president they're not so anti-war now they don't seem to mind Joe Biden trying to start wars they didn't mind Barack Obama's wars it's just republic they were, the anti-war movement was lost for 4 years during the Trump administration because they wanted to protest that republican warmonger SOB and Donald Trump started no wars, whereas Barack Obama was bombing everywhere. Joe Biden's ready to hoping to bomb everything. But uh, Donald Trump didn't start any wars, but they hated him anyway, because anti-war is just a front. It really has nothing to do with um, with any of their deeply held beliefs or anything like that. They simply use it as a an opportunity to get idiots riled up. That's it's pretty much how the left works. So uh, these leftists out there loved Ned Lamont, beat Joe Lieberman in a primary. So what did Joe Lieberman do? He ran as an independent in the general election, and he won because the people of Connecticut, not the Democrats of Connecticut, still liked Joe Lieberman. Lieberman then retired after that term, but Ned Lamont has... Uh, not gone away. And now, miraculously, all these years later, he ends up getting elected governor of Connecticut. He comes out to the microphones over the weekend, and it was, um, it, I forget what cigarettes it was. Maybe it was Marlboro. Something could come to flavor country. Remember that slogan for your cigarettes? Come to flavor country. And you're going, what's flavor country? Where's flavor country? Let me see. Come to flavor. Flavor country. Was it Marlboro? It was Marlboro. Okay. Come to flavor country. Yeah, the Marlboro man right there, right before he died of lung cancer. Lighten up, even in cartoon form, saying, come to flavor country. Well, Ned Lamont has a new slogan for the state of Connecticut. It is, come to abortion country. Come to a vacation in abortion country. It's going to be wonderful. It doesn't matter what you, whatever you think of the issue, is that really what you want? Is this your governor? Hey, uh, come, people are fleeing blue states left and right. People are fleeing New York, California, because they, um, high taxes, regulation, the oppressive government, and they'll go to Florida, Tennessee, Texas, and sadly, they'll probably still vote for Democrats because they're that dumb. But are people really going to, if you really want to be known as abortion country and you want to live for abortion, I do recommend you move to Connecticut. You won't, you won't be missed. Move to Connecticut. I hear it's lovely there. Just make sure you got a parka or something. But listen to the governor basically come out and say, move to abortion country. It's going to be the law in Connecticut as long as we're here, and we're going to be welcoming to anybody else. It feels like they're not getting a fair shake in Texas or Mississippi, wherever they be. Come to Connecticut. Exercise your full reproductive choices. <laughs> there you go. Move to abortion country. Come on. Come to abortion country. Do it. Say, spare us. Spare us the expense. I don't know what Connecticut is, made, is known for. Vermont is the... Uh, Maple syrup, they're probably sort of a maple syrup adjacent sort of thing. Connecticut, uh, whatever. 
whatever their old what is the Connecticut slogan? They should change it to uh, let's see, change it to um, abortion country. Connecticut state slogan. Do they have one? The Connecticut state slogan: "Qui transit susient." Whatever that means. Uh, he who transplanted still sustains. That's the motto of Connecticut. Wow, that's terrible. That's even worse than I th- that's even worse than abortion country. They should change it to come to abortion country. <laughs> what the hell do I I didn't think it was going to be that, but it's Latin qui transilutit uh, sustu. I don't know how to pronounce any of these words except I assume QUI is qui. Uh but he who transplanted still sustains. I mean they need to change it just so they make it gender neutral. And inclusive. What about all the gender fluid people out there and all the men who are going to be flushing to uh, Connecticut to get an abortion? But come to abortion country. Maybe the Department of Tourism at the Chamber of Commerce up there in Connecticut could order some embroidered T-shirts or something. Soon to be selling like hotcakes, I'm sure. Yeah. Please go to abortion country. All right. That, see, that's what the left is going. Is like, oh, my God, you can't believe Connecticut is doing this. Yeah, that's that's the constitutional system that we have. All these Democrat governors stepping up, going, we will protect it. We will allow. We will not. That's the Constitution. All right. I understand it's bizarre to you. It's weird. It's a foreign concept to you. But that's really what the Constitution is saying. Abortion isn't being banned across the country. If a state wants to ban abortion or limit abortion to whatever it is, then they're free to do that. And the voters of that state are much more likely to throw out those people, where there's term limits, by the way, in most of these states, unlike on the federal level, than they will be to be able to convince people across the entire country to do it. If the people of Mississippi do not want a 15-week abortion ban, you know what they can do? They can vote for Democrats who promise to have abortion up till the kid goes to college. If that's what they want, that's how our government is designed. That's what scares the absolute hell out of Democrats. Weirdly chant, this is what democracy looks like every chance they get to scream down somebody trying to speak in a manner that they don't like, which is decidedly not what democracy looks like. So if Connecticut wants to be the abortion capital of the world, go ahead. To spare me, this idea that you people care. This guy, Brian Karam. I think it's, it's Brian Karam or Brian Karam. I can't remember. He used to write for Playboy. He used to, um, what did he do? He uh, he had a CNN gig for a while, too. He's uh, kind of a, he's a dumb guy. He's the guy who got in, almost got into a fist fight. With, he was challenging Sebastian Gorka to a fist fight in the Trump administration. And that's what we're dealing with here as far as intelligence goes. That kind of jackass who's supposedly a reporter. He had a White House press credential. He doesn't seem to have a White House press credential anymore. I think that everybody kind of got sick of paying. It's useful idiots, when the useful part ends, you're just left being idiots. And that's what happened to Brian Karam. He tweeted out a photograph uh, or a cartoon of the Statue of Liberty walking through the ocean and said, uh, last time the Statue of Liberty was seen... It was traveling, it was walking back to France because of those damned right-wingers outlawing overturning Roe v. Wade. 
over a 15-week abortion ban. What's funny is that uh, France has the same thing. <laughs> the, Statue, the Statue of Liberty wanting to get an abortion, marching off to France. Actually, it wasn't even until earlier this year that France's abortion ban was went from 14 weeks to 16 weeks. France is most of Europe is much more restrictive than the United States was. Most of the world that these leftists idolize said, you need to make up your mind a lot sooner than this, because that fetus becomes viable a lot faster than you, you think. So we're not going to kill a, a fetus that could live outside the womb. The rest of the world, especially Europe, does that. Democrats either don't know it or are counting on you not knowing it, their followers not knowing it. Whatever the case is, um, I don't think they know it. Certainly, Brian Karam doesn't know it, and you begin to see why maybe the idiot label was uh, particularly uh, appropriately applied to someone like him when you send out tweets like that. By the way, on the uh, abortion issue, it's kind of funny in that a whole bunch of companies, are, of course, they're progressive companies. They're out there going, oh, we shall, uh, if you work for us in one of these states that tries to take away your right to choose, we'll pay for you to go and get an, we'll pay for you to travel and go to another state and get, we'll put you up, we'll do everything. And three hots and a cot, it'll be wonderful. You'll, you'll, we'll take care of it. Don't you worry. Some of these companies are, Yelp, Citibank, Bumble, Levi's, Lyft, Zillow, Amazon, Airbnb, Starbucks, of course, PayPal, Disney, family-friendly Disney. Disney is willing to pay to make sure that not too many more customers of theirs are ever created. Disney, Bank of America, MasterCard, Tesla, Patagonia, J.P. Morgan, Reddit, Netflix, Dick's Sporting Goods, Meta, which is Facebook, uh, match.com. Yeah, we'll get you. We'll find your match. We'll get you laid and then we'll help you with the consequences. Microsoft and DoorDash. Those are just some of the companies. Of course, the New York Times, I think, is the same way. It just depends on the company. But all these companies are out there saying, we'll definitely help you. Don't worry, sister. We got your back. The funny thing is, it is significantly cheaper even if they fly you first class to New York City and put you up to, to get an abortion and you get, you get to make a nice long weekend out of it, it's significantly cheaper for these companies for you to have an abortion than it is for you to have a kid. Yeah. So they're doing it. Oh, they care. They're so progressive. They're actually having their uh, their bottom line helped. I thought profits were bad because, you know, it costs a lot of money. Having a baby costs a lot of money. And uh, these companies have to pay for this insurance. So they look at you and they think, well, this is, uh, this is a profit-making enterprise for us. Plus, a lot of the bosses there, I bet, are you know, kind of maybe responsible for some of those pregnancies. So they don't really want to be uh, having them kids. Just saying. Just saying. All right. Um, let's talk about insurrection for a moment, shall we? Elizabeth Warren, Pocahontas herself. She is, uh, I don't understand why Trump called her Pocahontas. It doesn't make, Focahontas is much more clever. Pocahontas herself, 
who made her bones, made her, who got hired at Harvard as a minority hire. Elizabeth Warren's camouflage in a snowstorm is nudity. She is so white, she's almost clear. Remember that uh, doll when you were a kid, like the see the the uh, inside of a human being, and it was like a GI Joe, but it had no skin, and uh, you could push the button, and the pseudo blood was supposedly pumping around. That's like Elizabeth Warren. She's so so white, she's almost clear. She is what Crest promises to do to your teeth if used every day and you never drink white wine or red wine. That's what Elizabeth Warren is. But somehow this creature managed to pass herself off as a Native American up until the point that it mattered, that it was disprovable. And then it was disproven. And as well, you're one 1,024th, maybe some sort of Native, well, yeah, you go back that far and everybody's kind of everything. That's like going, hey, wait a second. There is uh, rat droppings in in hot dogs. Yeah, you're allowed a certain amount. Everything's in a hot dog. They just kind of sweep the slaughterhouse and put it in tube form. And it's, you boom, hot dog. And you can't say that this is a rat dropping log. You can't say that you're Native American if... The inconclusive amount is one thousand one and one thousand twenty fourth. That it's something. Maybe you know. Maybe she had uh, a burrito before she went in and got the test. It doesn't matter. But she, she's dining out on that or trying to dine out on that, and the liberal media let her do that. She was uh, all over the television because she's a screamer, and she loves the idea of packing the Supreme Court. She wants to pack the Supreme Court. Now I'm old enough to remember that when questioning results from government, from elections, from whatever, questioning their legitimacy was a threat to our democracy. But again, Stacey Abrams sort of says, well, only if if you're a Republican is questioning the results, a threat to democracy. If you're a Democrat, you can challenge the gubernatorial election in Georgia in 2018. You can challenge Hillary Clinton's clear loss in 2016, which they still do to this day. But somehow it's all insurrectiony if you say, I just don't believe 81 million people in this country voted for this senile piece of garbage in the White House. No, that's a violent insurrection and a threat to our democracy. Threat to our democracy. Well, the left showing their inner fascism and make no mistake, that's what this is. This is the, they are totalitarians at heart. Have declared this decision and the decision on uh, guns before it, the day before it, to be an outrage, to be an unacceptable outrage, to be um, a threat to our democracy themselves, and therefore they must change the court. Just like when they lose an election, they must change how elections are run. When they lose a referendum, they must change the results of that referendum through the courts. They must change the barrier to being able to put a referendum on the ballot. They must, every time they lose anything, they demand the system be changed. They view this, it's not because voters rejected them. It's because the system is broken. They don't have a clear majority in the United States Senate, so there are a whole bunch of lefties out there right now whining about how California has a larger population 
than something like 20 different states and uh, each one of those states combined and each one of those states gets two senators and California only gets two senators. The Senate is wildly undemocratic. Well, the Senate was never designed to be democratic. None of our government was designed to be democratic. The Senate was designed to represent the state's interests. The House of Representatives represented the people's interests. The state's interests were represented by the United States Senate. And when, in those rare occasions, that those two interests aligned, which wasn't very often, wasn't designed to be very often, then Congress would pass a piece of legislation. The president may or may not sign it. The Supreme Court may or may not determine it to be uh, constitutional, but it was not going to be easy to pass things because the state and the people oftentimes have conflicting interests. Our founding fathers didn't do this by accident. They did it on purpose. Because why? Because they wanted a federal government that was very, very limited in its scope and its scale, hence the way the Constitution is written, limiting the power of government. Democrats don't like that. They love power. They don't like the idea of New York just making New Yorkers do what New Yorkers want them to do, what progressives want them to do. They need people in Texas to do it, too. And the less people of Texas want to do it, the happier the left is to force them to do it. It's really sort of disgusting when you get down to it. So you sit there and you understand how our government is set up. One would think that a former Harvard law professor, minority hire, first Native American ever on the faculty, I wonder if they've rescinded that and apologized. All these Harvard, I think, is apologizing for slavery that happened 300 years ago there. Maybe they should apologize for the cultural appropriation of Elizabeth Warren and bragging about having hired a Native American at the expense of real Native Americans. Just saying. Anyway, now Elizabeth Warren is questioning the legitimacy of the Supreme Court. Anything that doesn't give a Democrat what they want is illegitimate. Have you noticed that? It doesn't matter what it is. It is illegitimate. The, uh, the Senate right now, there are leftists out there, AOCs of the world, Bernie Sanders of the world, and the Senate not passing Build Back Better is ridiculous. This is denying the will of the people. The people want these things. This is an outrage. It's not being democratic. When in reality, there are 52 votes against Build Back Better. Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin vote against it. They won't vote for changing the filibuster rules. It, and then they vote against Build Back Better. It's 52-48 against. But they sit there and say, well, it's wrong that, that uh, a majority of senators can't get done what they want. You don't have a majority. 48 is less than 52, especially when out of 100. These people who scream this is what democracy looks like don't even know what democracy looks like. And here's Elizabeth Warren saying the whole thing has to be upended. It's like beating somebody at Monopoly or Checkers or something, and they flip over the board and like, that's it, I'm out of here. I'm changing the rules now. That's not what democracy looks like. Look, I understand that uh, uh, Justice Kavanaugh, for example, I don't know what he said to Senator Collins. I wasn't in the room. But I do know this that the Republicans have been very overt 
about trying to get people through the court who didn't have a published record on Roe, but who they knew, wink, wink, nod, nod, were going to be extremists on the issue of Roe versus Wade. And that is exactly what we have ended up with. This court has lost legitimacy. They have burned whatever legitimacy they may still have had after their gun decision, after their voting decision, after their union decision. They just took the last of it and set a torch to it with the Roe versus Wade opinion. I believe we need to get some confidence back in our court, and that means we need more justices on the United States Supreme Court. Yeah, any court that doesn't give a Democrat expressly what they want is illegitimate. They've lost their legitimacy. Notice how she doesn't explain how or what's wrong with the decision. Notice how none of these leftists on television ever say, here's why this decision was wrong. They just declare it to be wrong. It's over 200 pages long. I'm sure there's... Plenty for legal minds, legal scholars, no matter how many times Elizabeth Warren has hit the peace pipe, she's still such a brilliant woman to hear the left tell it that you would think she would be able to devour that opinion and pick it apart like a vulture picking apart a deer on the side of the road. Yet she doesn't. More importantly, she isn't asked to. None of these people, none of these shows, even on Fox and Newsmax, they don't sit there and say why this decision was right. They don't even really go into the the meat of the decision. They just say it's right or it's wrong. But Elizabeth Warren is calling for action and she's in a position to do something about it. She should have a special obligation to say what was expressly wrong with this. She doesn't. You would think if it were so easy, if it were so obvious, that one of the most brilliant minds ever to come off an Indian reservation would be able to pick it apart. But you can't. Another case that the left is making is that this goes against the will of the American people. This is expressly against the will of the American people. Kate Smith not the singer. This one brings nothing to the table except apparently a uterus. She used to be a reporter on abortion for CBS News. That was her beat. Could you imagine that being your beat? You cover abortion. You want that beat. You go, oh, I want to be a, the abortion reporter. And you, you, Somebody should look at you and go, what's wrong with you? Like, did your parents abuse you as a child? Why? You want that beat? But you care so deeply about it. I think this goes back to my... Uh, Methinks thou doth protest too much theory, but that's beside the point. Kate Smith is now the senior director of news content for Planned Parenthood of America. <laughs> Gotta love it. At least she used to work for Planned Parenthood. Well, she used to work on behalf of Planned Parenthood. Now she's at least getting a check directly from Planned Parenthood. She was on CNN this weekend arguing that news coverage should not be balanced when it comes to this issue. You should not interview somebody like Kate Smith and saying, oh, we need to have as many abortions as possible, and then say to somebody, turn to somebody else and say abortion is bad. You shouldn't have that abortion is bad thing because she says, quote, fact, eight in 10 Americans support legal abortion. Well, if that's the case, I, I question their numbers. But if that's the case, 
And there's all sorts of nuance in that, by the way. Like a lot of people will say, yes, you should have abortion uh, in the first trimester. But that's it. They never, they never separate them out. Democrats aren't that party. Democrats went from the party of uh, abortion, safe, legal, and rare under Bill Clinton to carnival barkers trying to get people pregnant so they can just have an abortion. And they celebrate it. And please wait until, you know, as long as you possibly can. Wait longer. Wait till the kid is in elementary school before you have an abortion. That is, that is what the left has become. Safe, legal, and rare to come one, come all, everybody get an abortion. That's what Kate Smith is out there barking. But she's, so it's not eight in 10 Americans support abortion up until the moment of birth. It's like 20% that do. But that's beside the point. If they really believe their propaganda... If Kate Smith really believes her garbage, if Democrats believe their garbage, they would have absolutely zero problem whatsoever in passing a constitutional amendment to make abortion legal. But as I said the other day, every time Democrats had the opportunity to codify Roe into law, which was the entirety of the Jimmy Carter administration, when it was fresh, which was the first two years of Bill Clinton, which was the first two years of Barack Obama, which is now, quite frankly, in the United States Senate, they could have crammed it into something dealing with reconciliation. Democrats have refused to do it because they'd much rather have the issue. They'd much rather have the issue. And boy, howdy, are the fundraising emails flying about Roe. And we'll protect Roe. We'll give, give us your money. Well, why didn't you do it before? Well, because... They loved to campaign on the threat that Roe could be overturned. They loved to campaign on the threat that Roe could be. I, I have no doubt that there are some Republicans who love to campaign on the promise of fighting to overturn Roe. And then when it happened, they said, oh, crap, because they didn't really believe it. But Democrats wanted to keep the issue forever because they make a lot of money off of it. Right now, they're making money hand over fist off of this, but that'll calm down. People will calm down once uh, the American public recognizes that this is not the end of the world. But if, as Kate Smith says, that uh, 80% of Americans support abortion, well, this is a real easy fix for the Democrats. Pass a constitutional amendment. Put that up for a vote. Get that ball rolling. It shouldn't even meet moderate resistance if 80% of Americans support this thing. The fact is, it's nowhere near that. It's closer to 50-50, and depending on the way the question is phrased, it's actually the other direction in a lot of polls. But when you are living in a liberal paradise where you get to choose your own reality, you can just go out there and get on CNN and say things like 80% support this. And the human potato, the weeble, their Uncle Fester won't question you. And it just goes out there for the whole world to see. And uh, it's a lie. It's just a lie. In reaction, I don't know if you saw this online. You always see all these videos. But in reaction to this, it goes, oh, these women, we need to have a sex strike. That'll do it. We'll show those men a sex strike. A sex, no sex until this is changed. All right, that'll show them. It's always the women for whom at least you at least you hope maybe you suspect too but you definitely hope the women for whom this is no sacrifice right who are out there advocating this these women who uh how can i put this 
gingerly. Um, when not aiding in the function of the supply chain by driving their 18-wheelers, these women will take busy time out of their day to go on a sex strike. Okay? Or the, the college student, the gender-fluid college student who... Um, not, they're not taking a movement class in dance. They're not taking dance. They, they don't. No, but there's no risk of a, uh, a pregnancy there. But they're going to go on a sex strike. There's no risk of sex. Okay, there's no risk. Of, they're going to go on a sex strike. Well, if you want to go on a sex strike, knock yourself out. But you're going to have to have a really awkward conversation with your hand or the contents of your nightstand. To explain it to them. It's not going to impact any living human being. That's all I'm saying. Along those lines, that apt description brings us to Anna Navarro. Anna Navarro is falls into that. Her poor husband. Falls into that category. Her husband is like 74 years old. She's 50 years old. She doesn't have any kids of her own that I've been able to find. But uh, she, is, she married a, a wealthy lobbyist. And uh, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's love. I'm absolutely sure it's love. <laughs> not a not a gold digger at all. But um, she is a CNN contributor. She used to work for Jeb Bush. Her job was Hispanic outreach, which it didn't work out very well. Uh, I think she met her husband on the 2016 Jeb Bush campaign. So out of massive failure, massive failure sprang. She was on CNN on Friday trying as a supposed conservative who was supposedly pro-life until Donald Trump appointed pro-life justices. It's amazing how Donald Trump is able to just expose these people as frauds. All of them are. Bill Crystal's out there going, oh, this is an outrage. Like, Bill Crystal, you wrote a piece literally entitled, like, uh, abortion, uh, Roe v. Wade needs to be overturned back in the Weekly Standard days. But you, uh, you did that. You thought that. You said that. And now you're going, oh, this is a horrible, horrible thing. Like, what the hell is wrong with these people? It's about money. Money corrupts people. Uh, corrupts corrupt people. Anyway, Ana Navarro was supposedly a conservative who now has not said anything remotely conservative in, I don't know, half a decade at least. And in her appearance on... Friday on CNN, she said perhaps the most disgusting thing ever said on television. She's talking about her, well, Ilhan Omar might have said something worse about her own brother, but no, she never talked about their sex life when they were married. Anna Navarro is trying to make the case that overturning Roe is a bad thing now that she gets what she supposedly wants. It's a bad thing now that she's a Democrat. And um, she apparently has a brother who has special needs. She says that her brother, the family, would have been better off had her brother been aborted. Not kidding. Her family would have been better off had her brother not been aborted. Now, that's bad enough. You'll hear it in a minute. That's bad enough. But then she goes on to say, like I said, she doesn't have any kids of her own. Thank God. 
But then she goes on to say that not only was the world, the family been better off had her brother been aborted, but she has two step-grandchildren who the world, the family, her family would have been better off had they been aborted too. Because the people who you know have kids, one has Down syndrome, one has autism, severe autism. And the studies, the statistics show, and people have talked to her and said that uh, they have considered suicide, people in that situation, not the family members, but that people who are raising children with severe disabilities, they have contemplated suicide and therefore... According to Anna Navarro, her own family would be better off. Everyone would be happier if two of her step-grandchildren had been aborted. Now, I don't know how her husband, Al Cardenas, walks into the next family function this summer with this creature on his arm after she says this. I don't know how, I don't know how you can stay married to somebody like, you really just said that about my, my grandchildren. You said that about my kids. You, you, you've you got to go. you got to go. I don't know how, how that happens, but uh, it's pretty disgusting. Here it is. Listen for yourself. The, uh, the mother okay. before, during, and after yep. the child. And I am not anybody to tell you what you need to do with your life or with your uterus. And because I have a family with a lot of special needs kids. I have a brother who's 57 and has the mental and motor skills of a one-year-old. And I know what that means financially emotionally, physically, for a family. And I know not all families can do it. And I have a step-granddaughter who was born with Down syndrome. And you know what? It is very difficult in Florida to get services. It is not as easy as it sounds on paper. And I've got another, another step-grandson who is uh, very autistic, who has autism, and it is incredible. And their mothers and, their, and people who are in that society, who are in that community, will tell you that they considered suicide because that's how difficult it is to get help because that's how lonely they feel because they can't get other jobs because they have financial issues because the care that they're able to give their other children suffers and so why can i be catholic and still think this is a wrong decision because i'm american i'm catholic inside the church i'm catholic when it comes to me but there's a lot of americans who are not catholic and they're not Christian, and they're not Baptist, and you have no damn right to tell them what they should do with their bodies. Nobody does. I'm Catholic when it comes to being inside the church. Otherwise, game. I'm not. I'm not Catholic. That's not how Catholicism isn't a scarf. Religion isn't a scarf if you actually believe in it. Isn't a scarf that you put on when it's a little bit cold. Oh yeah, it's a little bit nipply today. Get my. Uh, Get my Catholic scarf out of the thing, will you? There you go. Oh, now that's better. That's not how it works, chunky A. But could you imagine sitting there? If this is your grandmother, your step-grandmother, your grandfather married this creature, and she's sitting on TV going, there are a lot of people, would be the world would be better off if we just had aborted these kids. Everybody would have been better off. Their parents are having a tough time. Well, no, parents in similar situations have a tough time. I'm not saying that my step stepchildren are having a tough time because of their step-grandchildren being special needs. But I'm saying that others out there, I'm just saying that I'm watching these families that I'm a part of with pity going, 
Boy, you could really come with us to Disneyland if you had not had that kid over there, that defective kid, right? So, too bad, but other families, let's get rid of them. Can you imagine being married to that, taking that to Christmas? Hey, it's Christmas. Let's go to Christmas. We're going to Grandma and Grandpa's. Well, not real Grandma. Not real. I imagine the kids go from calling her Grandma to calling her Anna now and going, oh, my God. Don't cross grandma. You don't you don't want your uh, living will to have grandma as the trustee because she'll pull the plug. She'll pull It sounds like somebody who's bitter that she's got to share the family's inheritance with these kids, these special needs kids and these parents of these special needs kids. She's so mad at them. People are sad they shouldn't have happened. It's just a, a just an absolute disgusting creature. I always knew the insides matched the outside, and I had a lot of evidence pointing in that direction. Now we have irrefutable proof. So now that we fully established that Ana Navarro is just a god-awful, terrible creature, we go to another god-awful, terrible creature, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, yes. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She is... uh, like it's nothing that progressives throughout history have loved more than a good purge. Hitler used to run a purge. I mean, Stalin was famous for his purges. Mao loved purge. Where you you get your inner circle, and then oh, we're all on the same team. Yay, team! And then somebody, I don't know, they get a little too uppity. They start to think that maybe they uh, they don't stink up the bathroom just like the dear sweet leader does. And you got to uh, replace your inner circle of friends by murdering the current inner circle of friends and uh, replacing them with new people. I would suggest, and I think most people would believe, that that maybe you weren't the best of friends when that started, right? If if your friend is willing to murder you because they think you're getting too popular or in their weird perverted mind you're a threat to their power, I'm going to say that that's probably not a super good friend. Right When Stalin died, they kind of just let him lay there on the floor slowly. They didn't call a doctor right away. They waited their sweet time. They're all his friends. Of course, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. They waited for him to be truly, completely, 100% dead because they were terrified that he was going to come back to life. All right, now we can call the doctor to come in and confirm that he's dead. Well, the uh, purge has always been a uh, staple of the authoritarian left, the radical authoritarian left. There's no such thing as authoritarian right. The further you go out on the right, just a logical standpoint, the further you get out on the right, the more individual liberty one finds. That's why the left always tries to say, oh, Hitler was a right-wing strongman. There's no such thing as a right-wing strongman. The right is about individual liberty. You don't go out on the individual liberty branch. It gets thinner and thinner and thinner and more individual liberty. And then suddenly it's a tree trunk there. You're like, Whoa, what's going on? No, no, you've now reached the monstrous authoritarian part of individual liberty that doesn't involve individual liberty at all, but collectivism. No, sorry, honey, that doesn't work that way. That is uh, your team. AOC, that is, on the left. Well, AOC wants to have a little purge in the Democrat Party. I, for one, welcome it. I, for one, 
love it when the left forms a circular firing squad, when they're throwing grenades down their own trenches. And because of abortion, AOC wants to purge all pro-life Democrats. (laughs) We must compromise. We can't compromise. How do you compromise with this? You can't compromise. Sooner or later... Much like when Stalin collapsed on the floor and people just kind of stood around and watched him suffer until they were sure he was gone. Sooner or later, they they turn on these people. That this child is able to get away with what she gets away with without not only party leadership, but nobody in the party saying anything to her. It, It means they agree with her. It has to mean they agree with her, right? Are they really afraid of a 31-year-old bimbo airhead from a safe district in New York because she's got a lot of Twitter followers? Is that what they're afraid of? Maybe. Maybe Democrats are more pathetic than I thought. Anyway, listen to AOC say, we just we got to get rid of these pro-life Democrats. Big tent. We need to fold it up that big tent. Also, if you live in a, uh, in a blue area, when people say go vote... That should include primary elections too. Because the thing that a lot of people don't like to talk about is the fact that not every Democrat is pro-choice, okay? So the ones that aren't, we really need to reassess if it's appropriate for them to continue to serve in 2022. The ones who aren't pro-choice, we have to reassess whether or not it is appropriate for them to serve in 2022. Is it appropriate for them to, is it appropriate for any Democrat who disagrees with her to serve? Congresswoman Overbite from Queens. Imagine that. The Nazis loved purity tests. The communists demanded absolute loyalty, even Saddam Hussein demanded that everybody stand as they was about to execute them that people stand up and swear their their fealty to Saddam and they did it will democrats stand up and swear loyalty to this creature simply because she has a lot of twitter followers sadly i think the answer is yes because the media will be right there with her the democratic party seems to be laboring under the delusion that twitter is real life They really seem to firmly believe that Twitter is real life. They also seem to believe that MSNBC and CNN are real life. Why? Because those are the people that they hear from. Those are the people that they hear. On a good night, MSNBC can reach 2 million viewers. 2 million viewers. CNN on a really good night can maybe reach a million viewers. That's how sad it's gotten over there. So you got 3 million. There's probably some crossover flipping during commercials. So you're probably looking at two and a half million people. Two and a half million people controlling the Democrat Party. Two and a half million people bringing about the most radical change to a party. Oh, by the way, they all say, well, Republicans have gone so far to the right. Opposing Roe v. Wade has been the Republican Party's position since Roe v. Wade was decided. There's one party that went in the other direction. There used to be some pro-life Democrats. Now there's one, Henry Cisneros out of Texas, who AOC tried to defeat and failed. Democrats went from safe, legal, and rare to on-demand anytime you want up until retirement of the child. 
So you sit there and you watch all this stuff and you go, it's the Republicans who have gone to the extreme? It's the Republicans who have changed? Or maybe it's the Democrats who have changed? Of course, the Democrats saying it will never say that they've changed. But here, I'll leave you with this to show you just how much Democrats have changed. Here is Rachel Levine, the dude admiral who thinks he's a woman. Released a video talking about how children, minors, need gender-affirming care, meaning sex change surgery. This is a Biden administration official spewing the official position of the Biden administration. Gender-affirming care is life-saving, medically necessary, age-appropriate, and a critical tool for health care providers. As a pediatrician, when it comes to making sure kids are healthy and happy, I know how important care that affirmed someone's true identity can be. This dude didn't come out as a chick until his late 50s. But he knows that all this whole thing was married, had the whole shebang, and then went mentally insane. And he's sitting there advocating for children to have irreversible surgery. Irreversible surgery. Pieces of their bodies removed. Hormone, puberty blockers, and all of that. But it's the Republican Party that has gone to the extreme, ladies and gentlemen. I know that for a fact because someone on CNN said it while advocating that their grandchildren never been born. Sick people. Appreciate you listening today. Have yourself a wonderful, wonderful day. And guess what? In like 24, 23, whatever hours, we'll be back to do it all over again. Have a great one. Thank you.